0: I am so thankful that in God's will and timing, in his perfect way, he has brought Andrew Fry to be our worship leader, and Melissa, and uh, this is their first official Sunday doing this as his main gig. So, thank you. Welcome. He's, he's been unofficial for a while, but now he's official. So, uh, and I hear you need next Sunday off. Well... If we can work on that, we've worked on on that, we're working on that. They've been here every week since they started uh, helping us in the end of June, and so uh, he came to me and said, "You know, we got to figure something out, and just so happens that I've got the new guy up preaching next Sunday, and uh, we're looking forward to that. I gave him the subject of sloth. <laughs> Thanks, my gift to you. so uh, so just it just so happens that. Uh, I don't have anything else to do, so I'm going to lead worship. So you need to really pray, okay? This is, this is like a prayer concern. And uh, But my wife is going to help me, and she's really good. So it's all going to work, all right? All right. I asked several of my friends who could lead worship, and nothing kind of worked out for the right person at the right time. And so I called them. Both of my kids lead worship in other churches, and they were up in their churches and I'm talking to them on the phone, and I said, we need somebody to lead worship. And they said, Dad, you've been doing this most of your adult life. You could do it one more time. So I'm like, okay, all right. Um, pray. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think we have a video that would uh, transition us into the sermon, do we? Would that be a beautiful thing? Let's watch it. Well, that looks like another memory verse, doesn't it? Now, did anybody read my rant online this week? I, I am not a bad guy for asking you to memorize a Bible verse. Okay? That's what pastors do, and that's what Christians do. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. That's the King James Version. All right? Uh, Psalm 19:11. Memorizing Scripture is powerful. It puts vocabulary into your life that the Holy Spirit can bring back to your memory exactly when you need it. So did anybody happen to memorize last Sunday's verse? Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely... Okay, let's do it again. Be completely and be bearing... That was very good. Of course, you helped each other along. Was it up on the screen? Oh, come on. (laughs) Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And so I said, you know, when I was a little impatient with you for not memorizing that I needed help. Okay, so the verse applies to me too. Now this week we are talking about overcoming greed. We're talking about the seven deadly sins, right? And they're all deadly, but there are seven that have been identified historically as the root, like the branches of the tree that lead into all the other kinds of sinful expression. So we're talking about overcoming pride with humility by focusing on God and not on ourselves. Overcoming sloth with diligence, by refusing to settle for nice words and good intentions, but doing something in Jesus' name. Overcoming lust with purity, guarding my heart and mind against inappropriate images, careless glances, flirtatious conversations, and instead replacing them with pure thoughts. Overcoming gluttony with self-control by deliberately limiting my selfish consumption of food, alcohol, or any other substance that might try to control me. Overcoming envy with contentment by celebrating the abundance I already have and rejoicing in the success of others instead of obsessing about what they have that I don't overcoming anger with forgiveness by replacing hateful thoughts and bitterness toward those who've hurt me with the decision to be kind and loving and forgiving overcoming greed with generosity by learning to trust god instead of my stuff because greed really is deadly. And it really touches all of our lives. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And into many... Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, For the love of money is what? Okay, let's do that again. For the love of money is of all kinds of evil, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Isn't the Bible brilliant? I mean, does God know us? We've wandered from the faith. We didn't intend to be greedy. We didn't think we were being greedy. We wanted just a little more nicer, bigger, better. Nothing wrong with that, right? But we wander away. That stuff begins to matter too much. We spend a little more than we can afford on stuff we don't really need. And uh, does anybody here have a Discover card? You know what you discover at the end of the month? (laughs) How much you spent, right? Like, do you know what credit card debt does to people? They wander. Student loans—they just never seem to ever get paid off. Um, payments and debts and overspending—it—it—it just—it's just something that just seems to happen to us. So I made a list, and I was wondering if anybody could identify with anything on this list because they say confession's good for the soul, right? Anyone here at least once? spent money unwisely, or compared your financial condition with someone else's, or written a check that was under-deposited, or bought something you really didn't need or couldn't afford, or wished you could be more generous but really weren't, or made the minimum payment on a credit card, or gave into the longing for more, more books, more vacation days, more horsepower, more hard drive, more square feet? Anybody? ever then this is for us friends this is for us greed really is deadly sometimes we crash and burn sometimes we wander away i know families where siblings don't talk to each other because they're so angry about the uh, the, the estate and how it was handled or how it's going to be handled we pierce ourselves with many sorrows we do it to ourselves Our spending eats up all of our margin and there's no more fun anymore because it's always stressful at our house. We start working longer and harder to make sure that we've got enough for all we've committed ourselves to and soon our family time begins to suffer and we pierce ourselves. Soon the shine wears off all the new stuff and the nice stuff until it's not as new and not as nice and we're still ensuring it. And we're still fixing it, and we're still paying for it. The crushing weight of the way we've used and sometimes misused our money comes home to roost, and we know—we know God's word is true. Max Lucado, in his brilliant and profound way, wrote on this subject. Most of us want something. Something bigger, nicer, faster, thinner, we want. We don't want much. We just want one more thing. One new job, one new car, one new house, one new spouse. We don't want much. And when we get that one, we will be happy, won't we? And we're right. For a little while, it makes us happy until the new car smell wears off and The new job gets old, and the neighbor gets a bigger flat-screen TV, and the new spouse has bad habits, and the sizzle fizzles. And then off we go again in search of more and better and bigger and nicer, and we end up in a prison called want. And you are in that prison if your happiness and joy is one delivery away one transaction away, one sale away, one award away, one makeover away. Greed is a deadly sin. And God wants to spare us, to rescue us, to help us to overcome it. Aren't you glad? He's looking out for us. He's on our side. He's not trying to spoil our fun. He's trying to keep those things that we love too much from spoiling us, ruining our lives. So on the back of today's program, there's an outline. The first fill-in was greed really is deadly. And the second is that generosity is God's prescription for overcoming it. There's this beautiful lengthy passage in Luke chapter 12. There is a Bible in front of you in the back of the pew if you want to look there. Perhaps you have one on your phone or with you somewhere, but in Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 22, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the wildflowers. And I I love this because Jesus is more than likely outside with a group of his closest followers around him. So when he says, you know, consider the birds, it's probably birds flying overhead, right? Consider the wildflowers, and there's probably wildflowers at their feet. Do they labor or spin? Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grasses of the field, which are here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And in the original language there, in that particular expression, it's like he's given them a nickname. It isn't you of little faith, it's little faiths. You little faiths. How would you like that to be your nickname? Anybody? (laughs) Not me. (laughs) When when we moved to Spokane, I went to a new dentist, and in the dentist's office, they had an intake sheet, and on the intake sheet, in addition to everything else, they had a line that said nickname. I thought, well, I'll have a little fun with that. I wrote Bubba. And, (laughs) And so... Little did I know that when the, the dental assistant called out to get the next guy, she goes, Bubba. And I'm looking around, Bubba, who's Bubba? And then I'm like, that would be me. Um, and that's what Jesus does. Jesus says, okay, okay, guys, you are little faith. That's your name. Because you, you can't even trust God to take care of you. And you know he takes care of the birds. And you know he takes care of the flowers. But you don't think he's going to take care of you. You got to take care of you. Whenever you think that, you're a little faith. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. Now, friends, did you hear that? Be like, ah! The pagan world, the people who don't even believe in God, that's them. That's how they live. They live for all their stuff. They let their their possessions possess them. They are stressed and worried, but not us. Not us. Where the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. Oh. So it's not wrong to have newer and nicer and better and a certain a certain standard of living it's not wrong in fact it says god will take care of you god will provide for you he'll give you what you need but you have to put him first as long as your stuff is first you'll never get there but when he's first then he gives you what you need do not be afraid little flock second nickname little flock now Now we're His possession. Now we're under His care. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Wow. Um, Who's the greatest giver ever in history? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you've received a new life in Jesus Christ, You are incredibly blessed, aren't you? And you didn't deserve it. And you didn't earn it. You received a free gift for God so loved the world. He gave. God has given you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. You think he meant it? I've been around church most of my life, and most of the time when we read that verse, we say, no, he didn't mean it. I mean, he's kind of meant it, but he didn't really mean it. You know, can you imagine the people listening to Jesus going, sell my possessions and give to the poor? Couldn't I just give them, like, the change that I have already? Couldn't I just give him some of my stuff I don't want? <laughs> you know? Like, sell your possessions and give to the poor. I think he meant it to... Uh, to land. I think he meant it to mess with our minds and our values. I think he meant it. And it means different things for different people at different times. But don't just blow it off. Just don't, you know, say, well, that was kind of an exaggeration. I don't think so. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Generosity changes your perspective. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no no storeroom or barn. Why is it so important to to ask God to change our hearts and teach us generosity because it teaches us and reminds us deep within our souls that we really matter to God. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In our worst moment, Jesus came and lived for us and died for us. I think about that. I think about the thing that would humiliate me most, my my most selfish and dark moment, I think about the fact that Romans says, when we were yet sinners, when I was at my worst, Christ died for me. And he died for you when you were at your worst. And this perspective says you can trust that God to be with you and provide for you now. After all, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Compared to them, Aren't you so much more important, more valuable than the birds? How valuable are you? The cross declares how valuable we are. To God, we are valuable enough for him to give his one and only son. I can trust him, friends. I can trust him. You can trust him. You really can. Generosity trusts God's provision. If that's how God clothes the grasses of the field, which are here today, tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? God clothes the flowers. God takes care of the grass. Ever seen a a, a field of grass that just looked beautiful? I mean, it's a simple thing, but there's an amazing beauty in it. Nancy and I used to live in, in Spokane, Washington, and about 50 miles south of there, is an area called the Palouse. It's farming country. It has some of the richest soil in America, and it's kind of hilly. And we drove down there one spring day. The grass was tall, probably three or four feet high, and the wind was swirling. And we parked by the side of the road and just watched. I mean, it was just amazing. I was like, how could it be that beautiful? Have you been blessed by God with a world of wonder and beauty and awesomeness, isn't the the hand of God all around us? I mean, this changes my perspective. I have a gracious, generous God that lavishes His goodness on us. So when I get up and look out the window in the morning, there's this beautiful sunrise. You know, it could have just been black and white. You know, all your food could taste like oatmeal, which would be, for my wife, the worst thing that could ever happen, right? Her least favorite food. Aren't anybody here thankful for cinnamon or coffee or a hot sauce or, you know, the stuff that makes food worth eating? God gave us that. God gave us that. He's, he's richly blessed us, and then all that he's given us in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins, a whole new life, the presence of his holy Spirit, direction when we need it most, a sense of meaning and purpose. now I think about people who don't have faith in God, who don't follow Jesus Christ and they're like what's what's it what's it mean to be alive you know life is just one more day after one more day after one more day of the same old, same old. Or my life means something. I'm here for a purpose. I was handcrafted by a loving God who has a purpose for my life and it means something. Every day, every breath means something. Wow. Now I want to be a more Christ-like, God-like Christian as he puts his love into me and his goodness into me, and his creativity, and his generosity, it begins to flow out of me, right? It begins to flow out of me, because I get who God is. And so, Jesus closes the passage by focusing on our heart. Generosity demonstrates the truth about our heart. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God wants the best for us. He is able to provide for us. He will take care of us. But he wants us to love him back with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. So shortly after I moved here, about my second Sunday, I met some guys out in the lobby and they were telling me about a great class they had just taken. And they had read together the book Radical by David Platt. I'm like, you guys did Radical by David Platt? Like, you must be dangerous. You must be dangerous for God because the end of the book, the whole point of the book is that most Christians live too small and too safe a life. So he challenges his readers and as a pastor, he challenged his church that we should take the next year and we should ask God to help us to be truly radical. And he gave several examples of things we might do. He's like, find out about a world-class mission, some third world place, you know, some place that you don't know a lot about, read up on it, study, go online, get connected with that particular mission. Pray for them passionately. Give to them generously. And if you can, go on a mission in the coming year because we're going to get. Thank you. Somebody was listening. All right. Because we're going to get. I'm like, awesome, man. I am in the most dangerous church in America because we are full of radicals. Well, I found out we took the class. <laughs> But but God is still working out the radical part. You know what I mean? You can read a book and you can take a class, but it's one thing to read about being radical. It's another thing to live it, right? So remember I told you last week that in each one of these uh, messages, at the end we're going to have a come to Jesus moment. Well, this is it, okay? The come to Jesus moment is twofold. First of all, it's, okay, right here, right now, in this moment, What does it mean to become a more generous person? To ask God, by His Spirit, to loosen the grip on your stuff and open your hands to the Lord. Say, everything I am, everything I have, I'm yours. And ask Him to show you what that means. Now, that's here and now. We're going to pray about that in just a moment. But then there's a matter of every day of the week to come. And I want to challenge every single one of us to pray every day, Lord, what do you want to teach me about being more generous? How would that look today? How do I share my time, my energy, my resources with other people? What could I do? After first service, uh, one of our dear saints, one of our older guys, Jim, came up to me and he said, Pastor, He said, you know that verse? Could you take out the verse, the the little square thing? He said, Pastor, this week I went to, um, I believe he said he went to the dentist's office. And at the dentist's office he found out that the young lady that was behind the the desk who was scheduling him, he found out it was her birthday. And so he went out to the car and he had a bunch of T-shirts that had a Christian slogan on them about... Life in the waiting room was based on Eileen's book. And uh so he went out, got the t-shirt, took it back in, and gave it to her. He said she started to cry. He said, This is the you're the first like stranger in my office that's ever done something nice for me like this. Thank you. And he read the, the verse that's in front of you right there. The generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will be. He who refreshes others will be. He's... Okay, I'm sorry. He who refreshes. I better get this verse right. He who refreshes others will himself be. There we go. All right. So he said, "I'm God's way ahead of you, Glenn. I said, yeah, that's pretty typical. <laughs> that's pretty typical. God's way ahead of me. Maybe you have already had some kind of generous blessing moment. I don't know. But wouldn't it be great if you had a few more this next week? All right. So let's take, let's take our bulletin. Anybody got one? And open it up and look inside. And do you have one? Hun? No one? <laughs> no, you don't. Here's one. I got one. Here it is. Is there anything in here that asks for us to do anything or give anything or help out with Anything? Bus driver breakfast, a week from Wednesday morning, we're going to serve those people who serve our students. Isn't that a good thing? And they're going to need help. And uh, that I, Aaron was telling me that that's the day the bus drivers are on the, the later schedule. So this time might get moved back a little bit, but not everybody can come at 8.30 in the morning, but maybe you could. You could be generous and kind and helpful and then is there anything else there that needs any help or any the trunk or tree thing is there, right? Uh, this what's going on all week here at the church? Family promise? Maybe you could show up and help out, you know, just bless somebody in Jesus' name. Um we have a team that's going to the Dominican Republic in about a month. And I want to send a little extra with them, just to encourage them and bless the people that they're going to serve. Uh, I'd also like to tell you a little bit about a wonderful ministry that's sponsored by the Free Methodist Church. We're partners in, and hardly anybody knows about it, kind of under the radar. It's called Eden Reforestation Project. And if you want to read more about it online, just go to edenprojects.org the superintendent of the Southern California Conference of the Free Methodist Church, a friend of mine named Steve Fitch, he started finding out about how much of an impact it would make if places where they've been deforested by cutting all the trees to help with their, you know, they they burn it as their heat and they cook with the wood And in short order, if nobody cares and nobody tends it, it's all gone. And uh, that's happened in Ethiopia. That's happened in Madagascar. And that's happening right now in Haiti. And it creates a whole economic crisis. Whole communities fall apart. The agriculture, you know, is not sustainable. Uh, Families end up in ruin. Uh, The children end up getting sold into sex slavery because there's no other way for the family to make a living. And they go in and they plant trees and they change the course of that village and those people and those families. And because they get money from sources outside the church, they don't always talk about all the Christian part of that ministry. How that What they do is they give jobs to the locals to tend the trees so they don't cut them down and don't use them up. And through that, they get to share the gospel. They invite them to chapel, and they invite them to church. In Haiti, we use the schools that we sponsor through um, international child care ministry. And we teach the children about God's creation and how you should tend it and not abuse it. And they're changing the world. And so I'd, I'd like you to just watch a little brief clip from Steve Fitch about the difference you can make Um, by planting trees in Jesus' name. So I go to my chiropractor and I have this little bracelet on. And it's from Eden. And it's got a picture of a tree in it, you know, just saw, I don't know, a little logo on it. And he says, What's that? And I said, Well, uh, that's about Eden Reforestation Project. Now, this is a guy in Spokane, Washington. Doesn't go to any church, doesn't know Jesus Christ. He says, Tell me more. So I tell him about the the good it does in the community, and I slip in a little gospel. Can you, can you imagine that? Slip in a little gospel. You know, we do it because we love Jesus, because of God's love for people everywhere. And he's like, well, our office should do that. I'm like, yeah, your office should do that, right? So they sign up, and now they're a monthly sponsor. So I just want to say, God can use all kinds of ministries in all kinds of places. So we're going to take some money out right now, And we're going to give it. So would you take the change out of your pocket or a dollar out of your wallet or whatever you'd like to give. And if the person next to you doesn't have any, give it to them. Give some to them. Make sure everybody has some money. Okay? We've done this once before. I don't know if you remember, but we dropped money on the floor. Okay? And the kids came in and picked it up. And you know the reason why we do that, right? Right? Because, um... In Southeast Asia, when they want to catch a monkey, what do they do? They take a gourd and they hollow it out. And they put some sweet rice in it because that's the monkey's favorite food. And they put a little hole in there. And when the monkey comes to get some food, what does he do? He kind of gets his hand as small as he can, gets it in there and grabs some. Or is, is it a paw? What is it? Anyway, he gets some. And once his hand is full of rice, what's the deal? Can't get it out, right? Can't get it out. The hunters come with their gunny sacks and collect the monkeys. Don't be a monkey. The moral of the story. Don't hold your stuff so tight that it captures you. Right? Right? We let it go. And when we let it go, so let's stand. Lord God, I pray that you would make us more and more and more and more generous. Because we have received the indescribable gift of a new life in Jesus Christ. And I pray that as we give just now, you would put it in our hearts what you want us to give. And that we would give it gladly, generously, to make a difference. We're going to buy computers in Dominican Republic. And if we have some left over, we'll plant some trees in Haiti. And Lord, as we do this, we do it out of love for you. We do it to say no to our stuff and yes to you. So, in Jesus' name, would you drop your offering on the floor? In a little bit, the kids are going to come in and pick it up. Let's sing something. What are we going to sing? Blessed be your name. You pour out, I'll turn back to pray. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. So, Lord, we do bless your name. We pray that as you go with us now, this will not just be a moment, but it will be a movement. That it will only be the beginning of a more generous lifestyle because of Jesus. We pray it all in His name. Amen. Amen. The Lord go with us all.